0: Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, the guy in our story had lost his peace because of the darkness of grief. But by the end of the day, he found his peace. His peace returned. And here's what I would argue with you is he didn't find his peace in the Christmas tree. He didn't find his peace in the lights or even the gifts under the tree. And as much as he loved his family coming back down and spending Christmas with him, that was enjoyable, but that wasn't where the center of peace came from. It's when they opened up the Bible and they went back to Luke chapter two. And as a family, they were reminded of what the point of Christmas really is. The point of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son to come into this world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the message of Christmas that God would become a man, that he would send his son into the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our darkness. And he alone would come and bring some peace that we all are longing for and everyone's looking for some peace. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, we've all been touched by darkness. I saw some research this past week. It's kind of alarming. Did you know that in America alone, every day in America, we consume nine tons of sleeping aids, 15 tons of aspirin. Now, America holds 4% of the world's population, and yet we consume, watch this this is crazy, 96% of sleeping pills and pain relievers. Look at your neighbor and shout, we're all stressed out around here. Everybody's kind of messed up, right? I mean, we all feel this darkness. And listen, the darkness, we all experience it in different ways according to different seasons of life. For some of you, you've recently went through a, a season of darkness with pain. Sometimes darkness shows up in illness with a bad report at the doctor's office. For some of you, it's relationships that have crumbled and broken apart, families dissolved. For some of you, it's, it's being slandered or, or someone has hurt you, wounded you. For other people, that darkness shows up with uh, not knowing what the future holds and having uncertainty and trying to work out their financial plan looking for employment. I don't know what it is for you, but for all of us there are moments where we look back into the darkness of regret because we see our mistakes. And how many of you would testify your mistakes sometimes come back to haunt you in the back of your mind? I do me. And all of a sudden you deal with the with darkness of regret or here's one for all of us because we're all sinners. We've all sinned and so our sin sometimes comes back and haunts us. And even when we're not being haunted by our own darkness, we can just look around us, can't we? We are a society that looks around and sees our incomplete world is in chaos right now. There is darkness everywhere, whether it's political, whether it's injustices, whether it's the anger and the hatred in the world, uh, there's, there's darkness everywhere. And here's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is a word of hope from God. And it was sending his son into the midst of this darkness, into the midst of our pain and our messes. And God saying, I care enough to come down into the middle of it with you. 800 years before that first Christmas, God actually gave this sermon to a preacher named Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, on your message notes, you'll read verse 6, and online campus, if you would, download our message notes right now, and you can read along with us. But I want to read to you verse 2 before you read verse 6 with me. Verse 2 says it this way. The prophet said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And all of us long for a little of the peace of the light to pierce our darkness. Isaiah the prophet would go on and say, it's not in a plan, it's in a person. It's not in a what, it's in a who. And he begins to describe. And look with me at verse 6. And everyone in the house and online, go ahead and read with me. Let's read together. For a child will be born for us. Somebody shout us, by the way. It's for all of us. A child will be born for us. A son will be given to, what's that key word again? Yeah, to us, and the government will be on his shoulders and then it begins to describe him. Read these descriptive titles with me, would you please? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And real loud, everyone in-house and online, let's say this last one together, the Prince of Peace. We're all looking for that peace. And you know, there there are some, and maybe you're in this room or watching online, let's just be honest, many around the world that come to Christmas, and because of the darkness in their own lives, and because of the darkness we can see in the world around us, they will begin to question the validity of Christmas. Is this just a fairy tale, or is it true? And sometimes their, their question comes with a little bit of honesty, because Because of a phrase that they've heard, that we've sang in Christmas hymns, that we've put on Christmas cards, that you've heard in pageants and on movies, that is taken from the Bible yet is not a real accurate translation of what was actually written 2,000 uh, 2000 years ago. It comes out of Luke chapter 2, and it's the passage where the angels are declaring to a group of shepherds. Everybody shout shepherds. That's important because at the end of the message, I'll come back and tell you why the shepherds are so important to this story. But shepherds are out in the field and God sends angels to declare to them that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God has been born. And they make a statement. And and when I say the statement... Many of you, many of you, many of you are going to be able to quote it before I'm even done, right? And if you can, I want you to, online campus, just go ahead and type it in the comments there, all right? Are you ready? So as soon as you pick up on it, and if you don't pick up on it once, we'll say it twice all together. Ready? Here we go. The statement goes something like this. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Very good, very good. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And I want to tell you that it's true, but it's not completely true. It's not a good, a- accurate a translation of what the angel actually said. And this is why it's so important for you to understand because if it's peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and then you look around 2000 years later, the world's still in chaos. People are still in chaos. There's darkness all around. You, people can politically ask if Jesus is real, if Christmas is real, why isn't there yet peace on earth? Go with me, if you would, Luke chapter 2, and let's see what the angel actually said in a translation that's very close to the actual Greek in which it was originally written. We're looking at the ESV version today, and I want you to see this line. Luke chapter two, let's read together out loud. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. fear. Stop there for a moment. How many of you have ever been out in a field at night alone? How many of you deer hunters have ever gotten up way before the sun came up to walk to your deer stand and you're walking through the fields and the woods all by yourself and you hear every noise, every crackle, every coyote yell miles away and it sounds like they're 10 feet behind you. Anybody want to testify in the house today? I mean, how many of us wear our headlamps, right? And you walk about 20 feet and you look behind you. Just to make sure, you put it up in the top of the lights because we got lots of big critters in our area of the state. And you look up there because one thing you don't want to see at 4 a.m. is eyeballs looking back at you. Come on, gotta get a witness from somebody. Can you imagine being shepherds out in the middle of the field minding your own business, listening to a bunch of sheep, and all of a sudden an angel appears out of nowhere? And I love, I love, I love, I love what the angel says, right? Watch this. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. The angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Somebody shout good news. The message the angels have gotten, the message of Christmas is some good news. But how many believe it? at least one shepherd said, buddy, that fear not stuff you're a little late on. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You're a little late on that one, right? And, and fear not, for in the city of David on this night, is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want everybody to make sure you understand who the angel said was born that night. Somebody shout, the Savior, who is Lord. The Savior who is Christ. The Lord, and then he goes on to say this, or say this, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And for us who are not shepherds, we just read over that. I remember singing about that as a child, not knowing a clue what I was talking about. But I want you to understand that God gave a specific message to shepherds and the shepherds knew exactly what God was trying to say that night because you see, they knew what swallowing cloths and mangers were. These are shepherds who are raising the, sh- the lambs who will be used in the temple sacrifices. And for that little lamb to be used in temple sacrifice, it can't be injured. It can't have anything wrong with it. And so literally what a, a shepherd would do uh, in Bethlehem is when of the Passover lambs were being birthed, they would capture the lamb before they hit the ground so there was no injury. And they would quickly wrap that little lamb in swaddling cloths. Uh, tightly, lay it in a manger so it couldn't hurt itself. you got to raise that little lamb for the temple and it can't hurt itself. And in that moment, watch this, watch this, watch this. God was telling these shepherds through a figurative language that the baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger wasn't any child. It was the lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. This is Messiah. Now watch what happens next. In the moment that the angel tells them this, look at verse Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, like, if one angel isn't scary enough, let's just have a whole sky full. And here's the line that we have mistranslated, misquoted, made it say what we want it to say, and it's brought a lot of confusion on people in the world. Look at verse 14. The angel said this, and here's what they're praising, and they're singing it. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, read with me now, among those whom he is pleased. Here's what I want you to capture. The verse does not say, and glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, period. It's not peace on earth, period. If it is, people would have an argument of why there isn't peace yet if Jesus has come. It's not peace on earth, period. It's peace on whom he's pleased. Now that brings up a whole new question that we've got to answer today, and we've got to look at this and ask why G- the angels would say it like this. You see, Jesus never promised in his first coming to bring peace on earth. Did you know that? Look with me at John chapter 16. This is just hours before Jesus would go to the cross. He's getting ready to be betrayed and, sl- and slandered and lied upon by one of his own 12, Judas. And Jesus grabs his disciples together, and this is such a good God. Look at a good God, what a good God does. He looks at his disciples, and he says in verse 32, look at it, read with me. Indeed, the hour is coming, and it has come. When each of you will be scattered to his own house, and you will leave me alone... Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Look at verse 33. Online campus, join us now. Read out loud. Ready, go. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Say that last little part of the phrase together. In me you may have what? Peace. Look at the next line. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I've overcome the world. Now, this is so starking to me because this is a moment where Jesus knows that that Judas is about to bring in the soldiers. They're about to betray Jesus. They're about to take hold of him. And if you know what happened that night when the soldiers came, all of the disciples ran for their lives. And they left Jesus to be taken off by the soldiers. They all scattered and they all went to their homes. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the 12 and all of a sudden I came to myself and realized that in the fear of the moment, I left Jesus alone with the soldiers and I ran to protect my own skin, I would start to live with a lot of guilt and regret. And here's a good God who says, I told you, you would do this before you did it. Because I want you to know this is all part of God's plan. And I just want you to know that in that moment, I want you to have my peace. That's a good God. In the midst of your blow-ups, in the midst of your mistakes, I want you to have my peace in you. You see, the reason Jesus came the first time, watch this, watch this, watch this, was not to bring governmental and political peace on earth. It wasn't to solve all the world's problems. He is going to do that, by the way. If you read the rest of the book, the Bible, at the book of Revelation, here's what we learn. One day, Jesus is coming back a second time. And the second time he comes, the government will be put on his shoulders, and he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Here's the good news, y'all. Satan's going to be bound and rebuked. He's going to be cast down in a pit. Evil's going to be ceased for a while. And we're going to reign with Jesus, and he is going to have peace on this earth. That's going to be a great day someday. That's his second coming. That's not why he came the first time. The first time didn't come for world peace. He had a better peace plan. The first time he came was to bring peace to you. You see, he knows that before there can be peace on the earth, there's got to become peace inside of you. I know some of you come to tw- the end of 2023, you've had a really good year. Others of you have had a really rough year. You just can't wait for it to be over. Some of you just come sliding in like in the home base like I am worn out. I need a new year, right? I'm mentally, physically, financially, spiritually war plumb out. And listen, here's the good news of Christmas. God doesn't want you to go in the next year worn out and weary. He wants to give you a gift this Christmas. And it's the gift of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And I want to tell you real quickly that there are, he wants to give you peace in three fashions. And the first one is this, and it is the most important. And if you miss this one, all the other ways of peace will never be completely realized in your life. You'll have bits of it, but you'll never know it to its fullness if you miss this one. It's the most important. Jesus came on that first Christmas to bring you peace with God. God wants to give you peace. Jesus came to give you peace with God. I want you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. This is why Jesus came into this world. This is why we have Christmas to begin with. Jesus came so that he could grow up and become a man who would take my sin and your sin up Calvary's hill and our sins be nailed upon him at a cross He would be buried and on the third day he would rise again as king of kings and lord of lords. And the Bible promises this, that all who believe in him and call upon his name shall be saved. Here's how it works. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away, how are we far away from God? Because of our sins, our sins separate us from God. You who are far away have been brought near. How can we be brought near to God? By the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. For he is our peace. Shout that with me, everyone, and online. Come on. He is our peace who made both groups. What's both groups? Us and God. Because we're all in this thing together, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's never had nothing but sinners to work with. All right, we're all in this thing together, us and God, right? Here we go, watch this. For he made both groups one. What did he do? He tore down this dividing wall of hostility. How did he do that in his flesh? Look at verse 16. He did this so that he may reconcile both to God in one body through the cross. That baby that was laid in that manger that the angels were singing and saying glory to God in the highest and peace upon whom his favor rests. The baby in the manger was God's child. Come into this world with a purpose to take your sin and my sin up on Calvary's cross so that through this child and his sacrifice he may freely pay for us a a way of salvation for there is no other name given unto man whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. He broke down the dividing wall. He tore the veil between heaven and earth. And all who call upon him shall be saved and somebody shout amen to that that's the good news of christmas and that's what god wants he wants to give you spiritual peace because i will argue that spiritual peace is the foundation for all the other pieces if you don't have spiritual peace all the other realms of peace will only be minuscule because there's still a hole inside the heart that only god can heal and only god can feel There is spiritual peace that God wants to give to every one of you tonight. He wants you and I to know this. This is what he was saying when the angel went to Mary, this little teenage virgin girl. Can you imagine an angel in the field? But what about in a bedroom of a teenage girl? Gabriel just shows up. And one of the reasons why you honor Mary so much is she kept her head. And she she says to the angel, whatever the Lord's will, let it be, but can you imagine the moment? Here's what the angel said to Mary. You can jot this little verse down off the side if you want it, it's Luke chapter one, verse 31. The angel said, Mary, you're gonna conceive and bear a son and you will name him, say his name with me, everyone, Jesus, and he'll be great and called the son of the most high. And then he went to Joseph. Any men in here ever have a jealous problem? Any jealous boyfriends? Jealous husbands? Every wife, look at your man and say, get over it. All right, so I'm with you, aren't I? All right, so at least it would always say to me, I'm with you, ain't I? All right, so here we go. Throw myself under the bus. Here we go. Now, think about this you're betrothed to a girl who comes up and tells you she's pregnant, and God did it. There's a reason Joseph had to have an angel to come and confirm the story. Come on, y'all. Be real. This happened in real life. This isn't in a storybook. It isn't in stained glass windows. This was reality. Joseph's like, what you telling me? And an angel, Gabriel, comes to Joseph and listen to Matthew chapter 1 Verse 20, here's what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. And watch this. He says the same thing he did to Mary. You shall name him. What's that name again? Yes. Because he'll save his people from their sins. This is the reason the angels were so excited. This is the reason they were singing and shouting. This is why All the other angels joined the other one. It's because what Christmas tells us is God sent his son to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, watch this. Hear me close. You cannot receive spiritual peace with God based on anything you do. You can only get peace with God based on what Jesus has already done. He took your sins and mine to his cross. You can't pay for your own. If you can pay for your own sin, if you can earn your way to heaven, then Jesus going to a cross was a cruel joke God played on his son. There is no other name. There is no other way. In fact, his name means salvation. Did you know that? The name Jesus means Jehovah saves. So let's go back to that question we have to answer. Then on whom is God pleased? Look at me, look at me, look at me. God is pleased with every one of you who put your trust in God's son and received the gift of his salvation. That's where the favor of God rests. You want the peace of God? The peace of God rests on all of you who trust in God's son, Jesus, for your spiritual salvation. And once you receive... Peace with God, then it's easier to have the second grace of peace that God wants you to have, and that's peace within. Peace within yourself. How many would agree that sometimes we're our own worst enemies? Come on, somebody. We're our own worst enemies. How many can't get out of your own head sometimes? And how many know that it'll eat at you, and it'll, it'll mess up your life and all of your relationships because you can't get past your past? Now, I want you to tell you something. If God forgives you, if you receive peace with God, that's why you got to have peace with God first. Because if you receive God's grace and forgiveness, eventually you come to this moment, this aha moment that says, if God, 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 who created me can forgive me, who in the world do I think I am that can't forgive myself? You see, when you receive God's grace, it gives you the ability to offer yourself some grace. And everyone in this room and watching online needs to be able to give yourself some grace. You're expecting perfection and God's already forgiven your imperfection. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, give yourself some grace. Can I tell you what Jesus said? Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, and I give you not as the world gives you, neither be afraid. But be courageous. Jesus says, I don't want you to live in fear. I, I want you to have peace. And if you have peace with God, then you can have peace within yourself. And wherever you're struggling with, there is a peace. Region. Did you know if you study the word peace in the Bible, there's over 790 verses that tells you that God's got peace for every situation in your life. If you're hurting, if your heart is broken, there's comforting peace with Jesus. If you are confused, he offers guiding peace. If you are ashamed, he offers forgiving peace. If you're fearful, he offers comforting peace. If you're depressed, he offers you hopeful peace. Because what God wants to give you is not what we say in English. Let's look at the Hebrew. He wants to give you shalom. And the word shalom doesn't simply mean peace like we think in English. The word shalom literally means wholeness. God wants to make us whole on the inside because wholeness is the foundation for peace. And when you've got peace with God and you've got peace with yourself, then and only then can you truly, number three, make peace with other people. Now you're ready to go make peace. How many know you're going to mess things up if you try to make peace with others and you have no peace with yourself and no peace with God? (laughs) It's never going, you never, listen, because here's here's, here's how this works. Watch this, watch this. And for those of you who know Christ, you know what I'm talking about. You can testify to this. When you walk away from God and our sins separate us from God, the further you walk away from God, the more self-centered your life becomes. And everybody knows the more self-centered a person is, the harder they are to have relationships with anybody else. Relationships with other people get all messed up if you're self-centered. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house and online? Come on. You do a 180, my friend. You repent. You turn yourself around and start trying to get closer to God. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Something happens. The light bulb goes off. And the closer you get to God, the more it helps you see people over yourself. The less you'll think about you and the more you start thinking about others, it changes the way you see God. It changes the way you see yourself, and it changes the way you see people. You can actually forgive people you said you couldn't stand before the closer you get to God. It's just amazing what happens. God can turn everything around, and all of a sudden, we start living on mission you want to have a better marriage you want to have a better relationship with your kids your neighbors your co-workers your classmates i promise you this you can't grow closer to god and it not affect those relationships now you can't choose, you can't control how someone else responds but you can control how you respond amen? amen and it gives you a mission it gives you a mission i want you to think about it like this as we get ready to close Because we all want that peace on earth. But before there can be peace on earth, there's got to be peace in you. Peace with God and peace with yourself. Then you're ready to go help. Make your little circle of the world a more peaceful place. We may not change the world, but you can change your circle. Amen? Here's the mission. Here's the big takeaway. Write this down. Because this is what God's called us to do. For those of us, we have a mission. For those of us who have experienced the peace of God... We're now to go take this peace to the world. And how many know there's a lot of people that need the peace of God? Can I ask you a question? How many of you shopped for Christmas over the last couple of days? I did too. I was out there and I saw you. And you know what I saw? A lot of people who need the peace of God. (laughs) Amen. So let's take it out there. Amen. Did you know Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that he wants you to be a peacemaker? Not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. How do we go make peace? by having peace with God and peace with ourselves. And now we can love on people the way we need to and help bring peace to a troubled world. We live in a world full of darkness and Jesus in that same sermon said, I want you to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And he says, I want you to go let your light shine that others may see it and glorify your father in heaven. God wants all of us to go out this Christmas season and spread a little bit of the light of heaven. And the only way we can do that is to have peace ourselves. And peace with ourselves—that comes from peace with God. And you know what? I know some of you be like, Pastor, I don't know, man. You don't know my past, what I've done, where I've been. I can't have peace with God. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can have peace with God. Do you remember who the angels gave this message to? Who were they? A bunch of shepherds. And you say, Pastor, why is that? What's so important about that? Because shepherds were the one group of people in Jewish society who were ostracized and told they weren't allowed inside the temple to worship God. They were looked at by the community as too nasty, too dirty, too unclean. And watch this, watch this, watch this. Let me show you how messed up this was. They were the ones the church used to raise up the lambs for the sacrifices at the temple, but they themselves weren't allowed to go and have a lamb sacrificed for them. How messed up is that? Can I show you the goodness of a God who overcomes man's and religion's frailties? Can I show you a God who wants to tell the world about his son? Who did God send the angel to? To the shepherds that religion kept out. And the angels came to a bunch of shepherds and said, guess what, boys? You're the first ones to get to hear the good news. God accepts you. God has sent his son to save you. You know what the message of the shepherds is? There's no one here too far that you can't have peace with God. Jesus came for you. So don't you let anything keep you away from God or anything.